Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough that you are a God who speaks. And we thank you that you have given us your word here before us today in a language that is easy for us to understand, our very own tongue. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we look at it together to understand what you have recorded for us so many centuries ago so that we can be helped in seeking to follow you today. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I think we recognise as humans that we all go through similar experiences to those around us. We don't have exactly the same experience as everybody. We're not robots that are programmed to go through set experiences continually, but we share many of the same experiences. And this is one of the exciting things that comes as a parent when your children start to grow up and they go through experiences that you have enjoyed in life and you start to enjoy them going through them as well. I see this with my children now that they're getting a bit older. I can start to do things with them that I like to do as a child or that I still even like to do today. Uh, just, I took annual leave a couple of weeks ago and we were able to take the children to see a circus. I have fond memories of going to a circus when I was a child and so it was nice to be able to go along with my children who were very excited about going to a circus over here in Manly. Well, one of the things that I still do today, which is an enjoyable experience for me that I now see my children starting to do as well, is learning to read, is reading. Um, those who know me well know that I love to read. I'm constantly reading books. I have quite an extensive library, and I love to spend time in books because uh, they reveal a whole other world to us, and you can learn so much about the world that we live in and how we are to live in it. And so my children are starting to learn to read. Uh, my son is now uh, six years old. He's in year one at school, and his reading is getting better and better. And I'm excited about this because this means a whole world is opening up to him that I have enjoyed for many years. And certain books that I enjoyed as a child, I'm now able to enjoy with him. I'm a big fan of Dr. Seuss, and uh, it's so wonderful to be able to read Dr. Seuss with him. And now he's actually able to read Dr. Seuss himself, and will go away to his room reading Dr. Seuss about the cat in the hat and the many other wonderful tales that Dr. Seuss has. This is part of life. We recognise that we can go through similar experiences to those around us and to those who have gone before us. And today we're going to do that. We're going to look at an experience that happens to someone in the passage that we've just heard read for us from Acts chapter 8. And then we're going to see some people go through a similar experience and we're going to consider what that experience is all about. The passage that we're looking at has a number of characters in it, and the first character that we actually meet in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, is Philip. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, I encourage you to have a black church Bible open before you as we work through the passage together. Acts chapter 8, which is found on page 1086, little number 26, says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. Philip, you could think, is the main character of this story, but that's not the person that I want to focus on today. Instead, I want to focus on this Ethiopian eunuch that he meets in verse 27. In verse 27 we see, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Who is this Ethiopian eunuch? Well, he's a eunuch 
I won't go into the details of what that means. Uh, most of you would have some understanding of that. Basically, he's a servant, uh, particularly high-up servant. Lots of the eunuchs actually got to high positions. And here we see that in Africa, he's actually serving the queen of the Ethiopians, Candace. And he serves her by being in charge of all of the treasury of the Ethiopians. So he has a very important role. But what is his experience that we read about here in Acts chapter 8? What do we learn about him and what he has been doing with his life and what he does with his life as we go through the passage together? Well, one of the first things that we learn about this Ethiopian eunuch is that he had a desire to worship God. He had a desire to worship God. It tells us in verse 27 that Philip meets him and that he's this important official. And then the And the next part of uh, verse 27 tells us that this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Obviously, this man is someone who fears the God of Judaism. Don't know how he's come about, knowledge of the God of the Jews, but he has gone to Jerusalem to worship. Why Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and it is God's designated place at this time where you worship God, where you particularly make sacrifices for your sins. You weren't permitted by God's command to offer sacrifices anywhere else. It had to be done at the temple in Jerusalem. And so this man must be aware of this, and he has gone to Jerusalem to worship God there. So what do we know about him? He has a desire to worship the God of Judaism. He has a desire to worship him and has been to Jerusalem and carried out that task. What else do we learn about this man? Well, my second point that you can see in the bulletin there, if you want to follow along, is not just that he had a desire to worship, but he's also someone who had heard the word of God and was hearing the word of God even as we look at this narrative together. In verse 28, we read that on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Reading the book of Isaiah the prophet which is the very book that we just had read to us a few moments ago. We had a reading from the Old Testament. We had a reading from the New Testament. The Old Testament reading was from Isaiah the prophet. And so this man is sitting in his chariot on his return from worshipping God in Jerusalem, reading God's word. And a particular portion of God's word that was given by God's prophet Isaiah many centuries before this time that the Ethiopian is sitting in his chariot. So what's the experience of this man? He's a man who desires to worship God. He's a man who hears the word of God. He doesn't just take things for granted. He actually studies God's word. What else do we learn about this man? Well, my third point this morning that we can learn about this man is that he makes an admission of ignorance. He makes an admission of ignorance. In verse 29, we read that the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? And then we have the Ethiopian eunuch tell us something more about himself. What does he say in verse 31? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Here he acknowledges that he has ignorance as he's seeking to read God's word. Now, comprehension when we read something is very important. We can read without actually comprehending what we are reading. 
and I sometimes fear this is the problem with my son as he's learning to read, he can sound out the words perfectly. He may even know that word from hearing it at other points in his life. But you ask him, what does that word mean? And he says, I don't know. And if you hadn't actually asked, he would have kept on going and reading because that's what we're asking him to do is read aloud to us. But then what's the point of reading if you can't actually understand what you are reading? You might be able to sound everything out. But what's the point of that if you don't know what it is actually saying? Uh, Today we actually started, for the first time, I've got a few people at this church who are interested in learning Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in. And we started learning the alphabet, and they're learning how to pronounce all the letters, and eventually they should be able to learn to pronounce the words. But I don't want to stop there. I want them to actually understand what they're reading as they pronounce those Hebrew words, because that will then be helpful for them as they seek to understand the Bible, as they want to know the Bible, and they want to learn the Hebrew language, they need to be able to comprehend what it is that they're reading. And that requires an admission of ignorance, which we don't always like to do. We like to think we know everything. And we sometimes read words and we don't know what it is, but we try to cover it up, that we don't actually understand. But this Ethiopian eunuch, he's not covering that up. He can read the Bible. He's sitting there reading it on his own. But he admits, I don't know what it means. He's humble. He recognises that he has to acknowledge that he is in ignorance. And so what then does he do? What is the next experience of this man? Well, he looks for an explanation. We see that in verse 31. He says, how can I, admitting his ignorance, unless someone explains it to me? He wants an explanation. He wants someone to explain the Bible to him. He recognises he needs a third party to help him to comprehend God's word. And then what do we see that he wants to know in particular? Well, he wants to know who Jesus is. He wants to know who Jesus is. And we see that when we examine the passage together and see what he was reading from the Old Testament. What is he reading from the Old Testament? Well, in verse 32 we read, The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then we read verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? This Ethiopian eunuch, he's recognised that someone is being spoken of in this passage, this particular servant who suffers in this great way. And he wants to know who this person is. And he asks Philip for an explanation. And of course, this person is Jesus Christ. This person is Jesus. And that's what Philip leads the man to understand. And we see that in verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He told him the good news about Jesus. Because that is what that passage is speaking about. In verse 32, we have a quotation from that passage in the Old Testament from Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. What is this passage describing about Jesus' life? Well, of course, it's his death. Jesus came into this world, lived for 30-odd years, 
and then was crucified. And it was predicted by Isaiah many centuries earlier that he would be like a sheep led to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The image here is of a sheep getting sacrificed that doesn't put up any fight against being, uh, being killed. And that's what Jesus was. He did not open his mouth. He did not protest his arrest, his trial, and then his crucifixion. He did not fight against it. He willingly went to the slaughter. And then he was humiliated with that crucifixion that he experienced. Verse 33 says, In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? He was deprived of justice. We read that. If you read the, one of the Gospels, you can see that he does not get a fair trial at all. He is deprived of justice, and he is humiliated. It was a humiliating death that he experienced on the cross, where you were held up in public view to die an excruciating, painful death. Now, what would Philip have told the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus here. He explains that this is Jesus. Now, there's so many questions we want to ask. Why would the Son of God humbly, submissively go to such a death? Well, it's because if you read the rest of the passage, as we did earlier, and you may want to study it later this afternoon, we understand that through that humiliation, through that deprivation of justice, Jesus was paying for our sins. We deserve to be punished for our sins. We have transgressed, all of us, we have transgressed against the Almighty God and we deserve to be punished because of our sins. But God in his mercy has given us Jesus Christ, a lamb who went to the slaughter on our behalf. And if we simply trust that Jesus Christ died for us, then the punishment that we deserve is upon him and by his death we are healed and can live for the rest of eternity in heaven. And so this is the experience of this Ethiopian eunuch here. He reads this part of scripture. Philip explains to him who Jesus is. He wants to know who this man is. He finds out about Jesus and he then wants to do something as a result. And what is that? Well, we read in verse 36, As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? Why shouldn't I be baptised? This man wants to be baptised. Why does he want to be baptised? Well, because something has changed within him. He has believed that Jesus Christ died for him and he wants to now be obedient to God and demonstrate that he is washed, that he is different, he is clean on the inside now because of his trust in Christ. Now it doesn't say it in the text that he actually believed in Jesus Christ but this is the common sequence of events that happens in the New Testament. People believe and are baptised. They trust in Jesus Christ and are baptised. In another part of uh, Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 18, we read that Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptised. The sequence of events there in Acts chapter 18, verse 8, is that you believe and are baptised. 
And it's not surprising then that as people looked at this verse at points in church history that some diligent little scribe wrote in the margin of a text an extra verse that has actually been removed from the translations that we have today because we actually believe that it was added in at some point. And, but it's still included just in case you're comparing something like the King James to this passage of Scripture. And so if you look at the end of verse 36, there's a little letter E which gives you a clue that there's something in the margin that might be helpful to note at this point. And you'll notice that there's a whole verse that has been removed, uh, and that's verse 37. And it says there, after it says that he is baptised at the end of verse 36, it says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then we continue with verse 38, where he goes on to get baptised. The early church understood that what happens when you are baptised is that it is as a result of you believing in Jesus Christ. And some diligent scribe wanted to include that in there at some point. Early manuscripts do not have it, and so that is why it's not in this translation here today. That's an interesting field of textual criticism, and you may be intrigued by how a verse can be removed from the Bible. If that is you, talk to me afterwards. For now, just understand that the Bible is clear that when you believe in Jesus Christ, that is what saves you. And then the baptism is simply an acknowledgement as to what has already happened on the inside. You undergo a physical washing because you've already had a spiritual washing on the inside. And so this man, he comes to the desire to be baptised, and then we see that his next part of this experience that he has on this road is that he is baptised. In verse 38 we read, And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. Here we see that he is baptised. And we at Baptist churches do understand that baptism means full immersion. The Greek word baptised simply means immerse or dip. Um, we don't believe that it means sprinkle, as other denominations may say. And so that's why we do a full immersion here, because that is our understanding of the Greek word. And when we follow God's commands, we try to follow them as closely as possible. And even the text gives that idea that they're going down into the water and coming up out of the water. If sprinkling was a form of baptism, then they would have just done it in the chariot. But here we see they go down into the water, fully immersed, to demonstrate that they are completely cleansed of their sins. The baptism is a wonderful symbol that we have been washed of our sins and we haven't just been sprinkled by Christ's blood, we've been immersed in it and had our sins washed away. And then there's one final thing that we learn about this Ethiopian eunuch before we say goodbye to him and never see him again. He never shows up again in the pages of the New Testament. What is that? Well, he goes on rejoicing. Verse 39, it says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Why does he go on his way rejoicing? Because he knows forgiveness of sins. He knows the peace that he now has with God, that Christ has died on his behalf, and so no longer does he fear God's wrath against him for sin, but now he is basking in God's love shown through Jesus Christ. Have you ever done something against somebody else? some transgression that comes with a severe consequence and feared that that consequence would come upon you and then find out that it is forgiven 
that you're allowed to go free. The joy that comes from that kind of experience is a wonderful joy. I even see this on a small scale with my children where I show mercy to them after they've done something really wrong. They come and they're fearful about what will happen to them and you say, that's okay, I know it was an accident. That's okay, we move on. There's a joy in them that comes. Think of it on a much larger scale. Transgression against the all-powerful, all-knowing God has been committed by us countless times and by this eunuch countless times. And now he knows that it is forgiven, that Christ has paid it all. And so what does he do? He goes on his way rejoicing, knowing that he is now a child of God. He is adopted into God's family and has all the privileges that are associated with that. So that's the Ethiopian eunuch. But what about you? What does this have to do with you today? Well, for some people here, they're going to go through this experience to another degree. They've been through part of this experience that the Ethiopian eunuch has been through, but they're going the next step and doing something that he did many centuries ago. Now, these people are not Ethiopians as far as I'm aware. They're not in charge of the treasury of any sort of nation, although they might like to think that they could be in charge of such a treasury. But one of the common similarities that they have, as far as I'm aware, is that they're all non-Jews, which this Ethiopian eunuch was, which is quite a remarkable thing. He desired to worship a god of another nation. The people that are wanting to be baptised, the five people today, are non-Jews as well. They share that with this Ethiopian eunuch. But they share other things with him. They've all had a desire to worship God. They've all acknowledged that there is a God and they've wanted to, des- to worship him, to address him correctly. They've all experienced hearing the word of God, just as this Ethiopian eunuch did. He was reading God's word. And that's what these people who are being baptised today have done. They have read God's word. I've seen this in the years that I've known them, that they're readers of God's word. I've also seen that they've made an admission of ignorance. They've admitted that they don't know everything in God's word. And as a result, they've come looking for explanation. They've asked others to help them out. One particular person that's going to be baptised today, when that person first started attending this church, I asked, why are you coming here? And they said, I want to know the Bible better. I want to know what God's word says. I need someone to explain it to me. And where I was going before was not doing that. They weren't explaining the word to me. Which is exactly the experience of this Ethiopian eunuch, wanting to know God's word. And they've been doing that, these five people, by hearing from other Christians like myself as I teach Sunday by Sunday here and teach them one-to-one or teach them uh, or other members of this church have been teaching them or even they've been studying other books, reading other books. Some of them I, I give books all the time to and they read those books so that they can understand the word better. And as they've been coming and trying to read God's word and understand it, they've been wanting to know who Jesus is. They've been wanting explanation about who he is and what does his death mean. One particular person who's being baptised today is when he talks to me about what Christ did at the cross, what is described in Isaiah 53, usually that person is moved to tears. They can't express how wonderful it is to them that God himself would come into this world and die in their place. 
They've wanted to know who Jesus is and have started to understand something of who he is and what his death means for them. And so they have then, as they've understood who Jesus is and believed in him, they've wanted to be baptised. They've trusted that Jesus Christ died for them. They're cleansed within. And now they want to demonstrate it to all you who are gathered here today. Friends, family, other members of Des Moines Baptist Church. They want to tell everybody here that something has changed within. Not that something will be changed within when they're baptised. We don't believe that baptism regenerates. The water baptism doesn't regenerate, doesn't change someone. They're already changed. And I've seen that in their lives, and the other elders of the church have seen this in their lives and are willing for them to be baptised today because of something that has happened within And so they now want to follow God's command to be baptised, to make a proclamation to you here today that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Saviour and that you should treat them as someone who is vastly different from what they once were. Once they were lost, now they are saved, now they are found and belong to God. And they do that by being baptised. And so their experience shortly will be that they will be baptised, Lord willing, And hopefully, they will continue to experience what this Ethiopian eunuch experienced. The last thing was that he went on his way rejoicing. And the baptisms that I've done in the past, I can tell you that, generally speaking, the people who are baptised afterwards, there is a real joy in them because they have publicly acknowledged by their baptism that they belong to Jesus Christ. And they have acknowledged that they have salvation, that they have peace with God. And there's a real joy that comes with that that will last for the rest of their lives. As they trust in Jesus Christ, they can know that even though they may fail at times, even though they may slip up grievously, that they are still saved and they are still going to a glorious home, to eternity in heaven. But before I baptise them, that's those five people, this is the relevance of the passage for them today. It encourages them to follow the steps of the Ethiopian eunuch here. But before I baptise them, I need to ask everybody else, where do you stand on this experience? We've seen eight different things, eight different steps that have gone through this man's life, this Ethiopian eunuch's life. Where do you stand? Are you someone who desires to worship God? Have you taken that first step? Have you wanted to know the God who made you? And as a result, have you started to hear the word of God? Have you started to read God's word so that you can understand who God is? Have you admitted your ignorance? Maybe you read the Bible and as you read it you go, I find this really difficult to understand. But have you admitted your ignorance in that and then gone to someone for explanation? Don't be so proud as to say, I can't ask anyone about God's word. Go to people for explanation or even go to a good, solid book. I can recommend a few to you afterwards if you want explanation on the word of God. Have you asked who Jesus is? You've asked for explanation about God's word and now you're intrigued about who Christ is and particularly his death. One of the greatest questions you can ask in this lifetime is, why did Jesus die? I once had one of my, I teach scripture in the local school here at Des Moines Primary. I had one little boy there who's always a bit of grief to me, should I say. Um, he troubles me a lot. 
Um, he gets excited about the lesson, just can't keep his mouth closed, and sometimes is problematic in his behaviour. And I often wonder, how much is this little boy picking up? And then one day, he stuck up his head and I said, yes, what's your question, what's your comment? And he said, Mr Radford, why did Jesus die? And I went, oh, there's no greater question that you could ask. No greater question. And I went on to explain that Jesus died to take the punishment that we deserve. I tried to use an illustration he could understand, that you know, if you were to throw a rock through the school window here, and he's, he's problematic with his behaviour, but I don't think that's ever entered his mind, so he's a bit shocked about the thought of that. If you were to throw a rock through the window here, you would be liable for that. You would deserve to be punished. But imagine that somebody else came along and said, no, 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 don't punish you, this little boy. I'll take the punishment for you. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He took the punishment that we deserve. Have you asked, why did Jesus die? And then have you, on this journey that the Ethiopian eunuch takes, have you then come to trust that Jesus died for you? You've asked who he is, and now you can say, he is my saviour. He is the one who's paid for my sins. And then have you been baptised? Have you maybe trusted in Jesus Christ, but you've never publicly acknowledged it in the way that he has commanded, that you should be immersed underwater to demonstrate that a washing has taken place. And then maybe that's happened. Have you gone on your way rejoicing? If you're a member of Des Moines Baptist Church, I know that you've gone through the first seven steps of this experience. And I see sometimes the joy that's in your life, and I see it in my own life that I rejoice. I've been baptised. But sometimes it's hard as a Christian. And we've got to remember the joy that comes from having peace with God. If you're a Christian and you've been baptised, do you continue to remember what the significance of Christ and his work at the cross means for you? Don't forget about the cross as you follow Christ. Remember the joy that comes with it. And if you've never gone through these steps, I encourage you to start taking them today. Because I want you to have step number eight in your life. I want you to go on your way rejoicing that you no longer have to fear God, but you can draw close to him as a loving Heavenly Father. I can tell you I've experienced many joyous things in this world, usually associated with food. But there's no greater joy that I've experienced in my life than coming to Christ and knowing that he has paid my sins. It gives me a drive and a joy and a love for God that is renewed day by day and ever increases. And I would love everyone in this room to experience that joy too. How does it start? With a desire to worship God. Go back to step number one and start moving down them if you've never gone through them before. And if you want help with those steps... Speak to me or speak to any of the members here at Des Moines Baptist. I'll be happy to point you to someone, uh, someone this morning. Or if you know someone who's invited you this morning, speak to them. Ask them to help you go through these steps so that you can experience great joy one day as well. Let us come before our God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your word tells us about the Christian experience. Now we can have a desire to worship you, learn about you, go on to understand who Jesus is and follow your commands and then go on our way rejoicing in serving you. 
Lord, we pray for everyone in this room that we may all go through this experience. Some of us have been through it, and it's been decades since we were baptised, but we continue to go on our way rejoicing. But we recognise that some people here this morning may never have even desired to worship you. Lord, we pray that you would kindle in their heart a desire today to know the God who made them and to experience the joy that you give. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.